When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard, but 2020 has been one of the weirdest years ever, but also one of the best golf years ever for the industry. And WorldwideGolfShops.com has all of the great gear from all of the top brands, including training aids, apparel, and accessories, everything that you need to get you on the course and playing a little bit better. So go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com today. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me all over social media at GolfUnfiltered. You can get in touch with me over email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. Hello to our friends over at Cleveland, Srixon, and Zegzio. We could finally talk about the new ZX irons. Holy cow, if you follow us all over social media, you've seen everything that we've put out there about these fantastic new clubs. little teaser, there's something else coming out a little bit soon, but we can't talk about it right now. But we can talk about the exciting new ZX5, ZX7, and of course the utility irons. I've got everything in my bag. I've been playing with them for... uh, about a month and a half now, and I'm just so excited to be able to talk to you about him. So today's guest, folks, is Mr. Omar Uresti. You know him as the uh, former PGA Tour player who has had over 350 starts on the PGA Tour, and he's the most recent winner of the Senior PGA Professional Championship earlier this year in 2020. Now, he got a lot of attention, as he normally does when he is successful as a PGA professional, because... Of a lot of reasons. I think many of them, most of them, if not all of them, are really unfounded because I think it's clear, as we talk about in today's conversation, that Omar isn't doing anything wrong when it comes to playing in these events. Yes, he had a very long stint on the PGA Tour. He's the guy that was next to Tiger Woods when Tiger made that amazing hole-in-one at the Waste Management Phoenix Open many years ago, and we actually talk about that a little bit today. And it's it's unfortunate, in my opinion, that he receives some of the criticism that he does when he plays well now as a lifetime member of the PGA or the Professional Golfers Association of America. So Omar and I touch on that uh, in the middle of our conversation today. As I mentioned, we also talk a little bit about his early days on the PGA Tour, as well as what's next for Omar looking ahead, not only for the rest of 2020, but into 2021. So I hope you like today's episode. Sit back, relax, we'll be right back after a quick word from our friends over at Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. No big hype, no big price, but definitely a big deal. Take advantage of their factory direct model where you cut out the middleman and get the best products shipped to your door direct from the company. They've got a demo program to try out their products before you buy, a trade-up program to get these clubs in your hands even quicker, and special financing where you can split your payment into four to make these clubs even more affordable. Go to BenHoganGolf.com to learn more. 
Welcome back to the show, folks. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'm very excited to welcome on for the first time, Mr. Omar Uresti. You know him as a uh, individual who has had over 350 career starts on the PGA Tour. And in recent years, he has won the 2017 PGA Professional Championship, as well as the most recent 32nd uh, Senior PGA Professional Championship. Omar, thanks so much for uh, sitting on uh, our show today. Yeah, it's good to be on, Adam. Thank you very much. You and I have connected over social media. Uh, boy, that's a scary place sometimes, isn't it? It is. It is. Boy, there can be uh, a lot of interesting things going on and being said <laughs> on those <laughs> medias, that's for sure. And so you, uh, you're talking to me from Texas, I imagine. You're still yeah. uh, actively playing. You were actually yeah. just going out and practicing today. You said trying out some new equipment. How's the game right now? Uh, not as good as it was a few weeks ago, but uh, <laughs> it's not too far off. Uh, not hitting it quite as well as I did at the senior PPC, but you know the putting and is, has been really good. Uh, so that's keeping me in there. But uh, just you know trying to work on a few things still and trying to improve every day. So you turned pro in '91, if I have that correct. Yes. You've been doing this for quite a while. And over 350 career starts on tour. That's something that not many people have done. Were you even aware of that number? Uh, I knew it was around 300 and something. I didn't know if it was 350. And then I'm sure I got another couple of hundred on the Corn Ferry Tour as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and you got a couple wins on the Web.com Tour. You, yeah. uh, We talked about a couple of the wins that we're going to get more into here in a little bit. But your time on the PGA tour. I mean, you've seen it all. I'd imagine you've seen everyone that you, we could probably name. How has the tour changed over the years in your perspective? Um, it's changed a lot. Uh, you know, I started out in 1995 on the PGA tour, 1993 on the, what is now the corn Ferry. It used to be the Nike tour when I got on it. Uh, you know, it was the old small headed persimmon wood drivers and fairway woods and, you know, the old, a lot of golf balls that uh, didn't go as far as the ones now and spun a lot more. So you actually had to, it wasn't really as much about power back then. It was more uh, finesse and shot shaping and being able to control your ball flight um, where now it's just a power game, hit it high and hard and hope it stays in play. And then you just go find it. And, you know, as far as these kids are hitting it and, you know, and DeChambeau's a good example, hit it 400 yards in the rough and you're, sand wedging it out it's a little easier than you know hitting it from 180 out of the rough like i have to do <laughs> same yeah certainly not as well as you do but uh dechambeau was certainly the topic of discussion over the masters obviously and yeah. i think we saw how this is kind of a two-sided coin right yeah it, it's hit or miss I mean, most of the time there's hardly any not as much middle ground when you're trying to hit it as far as he is um you know you can't you can't always hit it straight and, uh, you know, and it's just the way golf is. You're not always going to hit it straight. You're not always going to hit it good. You're not always going to make the putts. So, um, but it, it has changed a lot. Uh, you know, it hadn't been good for me because I'm a smaller guy and I didn't grow up swinging hard at it. So it's, it's hard to pick up distance after a while. And, you know, if, I don't know if I'd uh, even thought about golf as a kid or as a profession, as a kid, if I was growing up nowadays with my size, you know, but there are a couple of smaller guys out there that are doing fairly well. And, uh, but it definitely, technology has not helped the small, the small guy. It's only helped the big guy really. 
And it almost seems like to that point, and you even touched on this kids coming up now who want to chase that dream to get on tour. It's almost like you have to have a body type to even consider that. Yeah. Nowadays you do. And you know, now they, they know more about fitness training for it. Uh, so you, you know, they, they train, they train for it physically and mentally. Now, back in the day when I was growing up, you know, we didn't have all that mental training or the fitness training. We were actually scared to work out because we were afraid of getting too bulky and not being able to make a good turn or, you know, just tightening us up. So we didn't uh, work out a lot. It wasn't really until, you know, Greg Norman was kind of the start of it. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Tiger came came around and just changed the game dramatically and, you know, got a lot of fans uh, that came to the game because of him. And it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I even – I was part of one of his most famous shots ever. So <laughs> that's right. Over at the waste management, right? That is correct. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, that, yeah, I hit my tee shot. I actually had the tee on that 16th hole and, mm-hmm. um, I hit my, uh, you know, tee shot to about two and a half feet right behind the hole and got the crowd going a little crazy. And every time he swung, I would turn my back to him and just kind of listen for the ball to go. Cause I didn't want to watch his swing and get out of my rhythm. And so, cause he just swung so fast through the ball, you know, and he just hit it so hard and at the time. It was just incredible. So I would turn my back and after I hit my shot, I thought to myself, let's see you hit it closer than that. And turn my back, listened. I took about 10 steps. I looked up, I saw the ball go bounce, bounce in. And I just kind of shook my head and thought only tiger <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, turned around and we proceeded, uh, to whiff on a high five because I kind of held back because he was swinging so hard I didn't want to hurt my wrist and you know yeah, he was pumped up second one <laughs> so <laughs> but uh, it was uh, you know I short armed that high five which was probably a good thing <laughs> yeah he uh, he was packing some heat behind that that high five he was geared up at he that was, point he was it was and, it was an exciting round uh, shot and you know one that I'm I'm proud to be a, a part of and you know funny thing is that. Uh, he ended up birdie in 18 to beat me by a shot that day. Mm. And he hit driver wedge into 18. I hit driver five iron. So it was a little easier to get his wedge close because uh, the pin was kind of tucked back right. But uh, he hit it in there about 10 feet. And I think I hit mine about 25 feet. And I two-putted and he made his. But he yeah cut me by a shot with that birdie. So it, it took a hole-in-one and a birdie for him <laughs> to beat me that day. You know. <laughs> Something to hang your head on there, sir. <laughs> You know, it's funny just hearing you recollect that that day. I mean, this was a while ago now. And oh. are you one of those guys that can remember every shot, every pin position? Most, uh, yeah. I, I kind of, I'm kind of half and half. If it's a good, exciting round, yes. Um, pretty much, you know, I was the first professional golfer in a professional tournament to make nine birdies in a row in 1994 yep. in that Nike Shreveport Open and. I remember almost every single shot of that um, and the putts, Um, you know, a couple of holes, the seventh and eighth hole get a little blurry. Um, But for the most part, yeah, I remember almost all those shots. (laughs) It's funny because when people say that they're in the zone, I've not experienced this, (laughs) but when they're in the zone, uh, you almost think that they're, you know, they say they're unconscious. They don't know what they're doing, but in fact, so true. Um, I, you know, it was funny. I was at Shreveport. I was playing with Perry Moss, who was uh, had gone to LSU, 
and we were playing in Shreveport, Louisiana. So he had a pretty good crowd following him to start the day. And, it, you know, we probably had 100 people starting the day following us around, it seemed like. And then by the time I got done with my nine in a row, it, there had to be at least 1,000 people, and I hardly noticed them. But I, I remembered one gentleman come up to me walking off the 12th tee, and he was, uh, he was like, uh, hey, man, I got this Civil War belt buckle right here. I'll give it to you after the round. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, sir, right, not right now. It's not a good time right now. <laughs> he wanted to give you a belt buckle. <laughs> yeah, the Civil War belt buckle. I would have been more than happy to take it. I never yeah. saw him at the rest of the day, though. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's funny too about, you know, galleries, obviously, um, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a big part of the game right now. That's, that's kind of missing from a lot of these tournaments, you know, yeah. and, you know, ha- having those stories about interacting with fans and a lot of times, especially in recent years where everyone's got a cell phone and camera. I mean, it's almost like you wanted, I've always wondered what it's like to walk through a crowd like that. Do you, do you enjoy th- those situations? <clears throat> Yeah, as long as there's an alleyway for us to get through, yes. <laughs> um, I've tried, uh, where was it? I guess it was the PJ Championship at, uh, um, gosh, at Kohler. Uh, yep. in, what is that, 2015? Mm. Ooh, yeah, there were so many people there, and there was, I had to walk through some of that gallery not while not playing. And it's, it gets, you know, kind of tight and it was a hot day that day. And, you know, I just, uh, I know there were some fans that were uh, um, having trouble and getting heat stroke and stuff. Cause it was just so hot, which was kind of odd for, for whistling straights. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's not very much fun, but you know, some, but is, when playing and they, you know, they're able to open up a, an alleyway for you to walk through. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty good feeling. It's a pretty awesome feeling, especially, uh, when they're, you know, cheering you on and stuff, it's, it's, it's just something else. It's hard to explain. Could only imagine. I mean, as somebody that's been in the gallery, I've seen you in person a few times. I live not too far from Cog Hill. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you've definitely been around and now as time has gone on, you know, your career has gone in the direction it is now. And now you're, you're the reigning champion of the senior PGA professional. <laughs> uh, that's, that's an incredible feat in and of itself. And I know that you, uh, get a lot of mixed reaction regarding these these wins. Uh, what what is that like right now? I mean, let's we'll dive into it. But hearing that reaction, I mean, that how does that feel? Yeah, you know, I understand where a lot of those guys are coming from, or people, because it, it's it's there has been both men and women. Um, but you know they. Yes, I played the tour for all those years, but I really haven't played full time since 2012. So I'm not really considered a tour right. pro anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I do. Well, I'm here in Austin. I host a fundraiser every year. We unfortunately weren't able to have it this year um, because of COVID, but uh, it's a sure. first tee fundraiser. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, I do my, my part of promoting the game as best I can in the ways I know how and, I understand where those, you know, that have negative things to say that where they're coming from, and it's, it's you know, it's hurtful because they don't, they don't know me. They don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. really. And they don't know what, uh, you know, what all's happened. Um, and just to add context to this, 
the as I understand it, the the critique that you receive, if you can call it that, is you know you're a lifetime member of the PGA, if I, as yeah. I understand it. You know yes. that that's that's a rule that you're you're not doing anything wrong. Correct. You played for over twenty years, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure you can fill in some of the gaps that I'm missing here. But basically, you're you're doing exactly what you are able to do. And by the way, you're not the only one. Right. I just know. happen to be the one that's won. Exactly. <laughs> so for the listeners, um, you know, maybe help us understand or help me understand, you know, what does that process look like? You know, where, where are you? How are you in the position that you are so that you can play in these events? Okay. Well, when I first got out on the Nike tour in 1993, they recommend all members of the Nike or Corn Ferry Tour now and PGA, of Amer- and PGA Tour to join the PGA of America. That way, and you pay your dues, your annual dues yearly, you know, so you're paying your yearly dues um, to be a member of the PGA of America. And in so doing that, if you get enough, earn enough points or money, now you're quali- you're able to, if you qualify, to play in the PGA Championships. So, and so most guys, I don't know if the, the foreigners have to do it as much, uh, but you have to be a member of the PGA of America right. in order okay. to play the PGA championship. And so that was the start of that. So I started paying my dues in 1993. And then after 2012, I lost my status and actually got, you know, didn't really have anywhere to play for a good year and a half two years and uh, I was, you know, got fairly depressed, put on, put on like 20, 25 pounds. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm five, six, I'm normally around 175, 180, and I got up to 200. Mm. And uh, I started thinking about it and I'm like, okay, I'm getting close. You know, in a few years, four or five years, I'm going to be turning 50. I got to get ready for the champions tour. What can I do? And I called our section president and he's like, well, you, you know, you can change your status from an A3, which is a tour pro in, in the PGA of America, to a life member and continue paying your dues. But now you have to fulfill credits. So now I have to MSR points or MSR credits. Mm-hmm. So now I, I have to attend meetings and I have to go to, you know, and, and I think it's 36 credits every two years for the meetings and teaching side of it and then they have i guess some playing point credits that you get as well so it's a total of like 56 or something every two years and uh you know just actually a a week ago i just went over to houston and did there was a teaching seminar there and you know learned some good stuff there once uh you know that i could use for if and when i do teach i do give a couple of lessons here and there so you sure. know, that, that helps a lot uh, to be able to see how other guys do it and what their theories are and how they, you know, get their students. So we just you got to you pay your dues. I was able to change to a life member after 20 years. And then now I got to fulfill the MSR points every two years so I can stay at play in these competitive tournaments. So that's kind of it now for the future. They just changed uh, the rule for guys coming off the tour or for life members that you now have to take the have to go through the testing i guess they have three levels of testing so now i think Mm -hmm. you have to take all three levels of testing in order to be become a life member and and be able to compete in these in the tournaments that i've been playing in 
So, you know, then I'm, and I think I was the one that kind of spread that process along. They had been kind of working on it, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't getting as much noise, I guess, before I came out. And then once I started playing and it started playing fairly well, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like I'm winning every single one of them. It took me three years to, before I won the one in 2017 and I had, and then I haven't uh, even sniffed doing as well since. So, (laughs) right. Well, in that one until the senior, you know, like I played in three senior ones now and I think I finished, uh, what did I finish? Fifth. No, I I finished second, fifth, and then I won this year. So, you know, one for three, I, I can, I can handle that, but, uh, it's not as, you know, it's not like I'm winning every single tournament. And and all I know is that guys are working harder now at their games because they are playing a lot better than what they were. Um, so it's it's not easy. Um, yeah. And if anything, I've, in my opinion, it's been good for the game or for the PGA of America to, you know, to have a, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm, a little better or a little more experienced player. I wouldn't say better, a little more experienced player out there. And the guys that are out there playing really don't seem to have as much of an issue because, you know, they're able, and I get this from a few of them that, you know, heck about playing with me, they can learn because of my experience. You know, I get a lot of questions asked to me about certain shots and how do I handle this and that. And, you know, so they're, they're, taking it as a learning process and hoping to uh, be able to improve their game. And I'm more than happy to help, help them all out. you know, if I can. And it, it feels like the, per- the people who are not as well informed about how this process works, they see something like, or they see someone like yourself who is successful, who they've seen on television, who they've seen at PGA tour events. And then they see it's the PGA, you know, professional championship. And they're like, well, this guy's not in the pro shop, you know, that I go to, he's not folding shirts is the thing I keep hearing. And it's like, well, if if that's how you define a PGA professional, maybe the problem isn't with the person who's actually playing well enough to win the events. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and some of them, yeah, I mean, and usually, like I said, most of the ones that you're hearing from are the guys that are in the shop and granted they, they, I mean, they work way too many hours. These clubs, they need to get two or three more pros so everybody can have a chance to work on their game so they can actually play better golf and feel like they're able to put the time in to get better, you know, but a lot of these places, you know, these guys are working 60 to 70, 80 hours a week and they just, it's hard to find time. And, you know, I feel for those guys. I know it, I, you know, I grew up going to the shop every day and seeing how much these guys work and, and, um, I, you know, I, so I feel for him and I, I know how hard it is to be able to, to work in the shop and also get the game, but, uh, in shape, but also there's several guys that, you know, are able to keep the game in shape and are working quite a bit. So, um, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know, kind of a, Damned if you do, damned if you don't, I guess. <laughs> well, isn't that the uh, the world in which we live in now, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, one of those things where I think the loudest uh, critics come from keyboards. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, 
I try, you know, and like I said, I understand both sides of it. I see where they're coming from to where, you know, I've, you know, I made sure I worked hard enough when I was a kid and tried to work hard enough as a kid and through college to, to be able to get on tour. And I was, you know, fortunately I, I had the, the mental fortuity to be able to do it. Um, where a lot of these guys, they got great golf swings and they got game, but a lot of them don't have the mental fortitude to, you know, to, to keep it up or to keep after it. And then a lot of the times you try it for a couple of years, well, now you're out of money. So now you got to go work and, you know, they start working, hoping to make some money to try it again, but then they just, their game just kind of falters because now they're having to work too much. Is that changed as well? Like the teams that these players have around them? It's like you need a, a mental coach. You need everybody, a, a therapist. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Is that, how much has that changed? It's changed a ton. Yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So many more sports psychologists. You got guys that travel with fitness trainers. Um, <clears throat> and fortunately, you know, out on the PGA Tour and Champions Tour, they have the fitness trailers go around. So you got therapists that are able to work on you, physical therapists and trainers, you know, that can give you uh, workout routines to work on. And, but there are, you know, the majority of the top ranked guys are using their own phys, uh, trainers and stuff. So it's a totally different game now, but with, with as much money as they're making, if you're winning or in the top five or 10, you can afford to do that. You know, I was always, just barely squeaking by. So I couldn't, uh, I couldn't really afford to, <laughs> to have all that, especially back in the, in the nineties and early two thousands, it was, you know, not the money hadn't quite jumped up at that time and it was just starting to, but it hadn't. As the game continues to evolve and listeners, once again, we're talking to uh, Mr. Omar Uresti, um, as the game continues to involve evolve, uh, obviously a lot of focus is on equipment. A lot of focus is on what the equipment's doing to golf courses, you know, what golf courses need to do to keep up. Is that just a bunch of hubbub that we don't really need to worry too much about? Uh, well, you know, the, the game has changed. The equipment's changed it. The courses, unfortunately, the majority of them that we used to play, unfortunately, were great golf courses that, because of technology almost became, have become obsolete, but at the same time, they really haven't because we used to play some pretty tight golf courses and it was, you know, like I said, it was more of a shot shapers golf game. And, um, I think just be, you know, they, the equipment kind of started changing, but the golf courses started getting longer and wider open. So, it's kind of that thing, you know, which, which came first, the distance or the longer golf courses. Well, I think the longer right. golf courses came, started coming right at the time the ball started changing, but the course designers nowadays don't, in my opinion, are trying to combat that long hitter. And in the, in the process of doing that, they're hurting the short hitter. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, they're hurting the average golfer. Um, because it's, you know, a lot of those average golfers want to try to get back there and play the, the big tees and you just can't do that. So I would like, you know, just like every other sport, in my opinion, I would like to see the club head shrink. I would like to see more spin on the ball. Um, just because we're pros, we ought to be able to hit smaller equipment. We ought to be able to hit that ball that spins 
more hit, be able to hit it straighter. I mean, you got a, you got different size footballs, you got different size baseballs, you got aluminum bats versus wooden bats. You got different size rackets and compression tennis balls. Um, you know, so, you get, so all these other sports seem to have different sizes for their amateurs and their pros or different weights or whatever it might be. I don't see why golf can't do the same thing. I mean, the people are yeah. going to buy the brand equipment that the pros are using, not necessarily, I mean, not necessarily the brand or the, not the exact same equipment. I mean, even though they'd like to, I mean, it's hard to hit an eight and a half degree driver if you're a 20 handicap. <laughs> yeah. Or what, what Bryson swing in what a five degree. I mean, yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing I'm glad you said that. That's the one thing that frustrates me the most about, the the argument is other sports have found a way to do it mm-hmm. you know as you just described and i know one of the counter arguments that i always hear that just makes me so angry is well everyone has to play the same thing as you just mentioned well that's not happening right now no so what actually is going to change if we go to something like completely bifurcate and have pro only equipment. I, I, based on what you're saying, I think we're in agreement that probably not much. Yeah. No. And, you know, and then that way the courses, then they don't have to get more land for these to add on to these golf courses. And that's the toughest thing. A lot of these courses are restricted because they're older and there's not much room to grow. Um, you know, and so it's just, I would like to just see more spin and smaller, smaller headed drivers or smaller headed fairway woods like we used to, um, or pros. We ought to be able to hit that smaller equipment. Yeah. And we'd like to see you do it too. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we like to watch you. <laughs> well, Omar, uh, we're up about, uh, time here. What's next for you? What's, what's going on well, the rest uh, of the year next yeah, year? The PGA of America has, uh, some winter, I guess they, what are they called? The winter series tournaments, um, at the beginning of December, we have six two-day tournaments, and it'll be majority guys from the from the north because all the clubs are closed, coming down and playing in these six two-day tournaments. Uh, just fun. It's a fun deal. You know, there's a little bit of money involved, but uh, it's just more for fun and camaraderie, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun to go down there and play and see guys every year and hang out with them. Um, and then after that, at the beginning of the year in January, February. They have their winter championships where there's a quarter century tour. So being a member of the PJ of America for 25 years or more. And then they have their senior stroke play tournament. And then we have a senior junior tournament where um, we partner up with a, someone under 50. Nice. You know, seeing, I'm going to be partnering up with Rich Barbarian. I think he's in his early mid thirties. And um, we're going to give it a shot. We play best ball. And then Bob Sowards and I, the, the next event after that is the, it's called the four ball Stableford. So it's a two man best ball Stableford format tournament. And Bob and I are going to see what we can do with that. Uh, Bob Sowards won two years ago, won the senior PPC. And uh, he is also, he also won the open age division as well. Um, so I think there were four of us only that have won both of them. And so, uh, that, you know, I was pretty honored to, to be in that, that category there. Cause there's some pretty good players <laughs> that have done that and yeah, uh, just fortunate enough to be able to have done that as well. So, and then, uh, 
hopefully start chasing some of the champions tour Monday qualifiers around. Nice. That'll be great to see out there as well. So, yeah. And also after winning the, the senior PPC a month and a half ago, then that qualified me to, as well as the top 35, I believe qualified us to get in the senior PGA championship this year or this coming year up at uh, Southern Hills in uh, Oklahoma. That's fantastic. You got to be excited for that. Yeah. Very excited. I've never played up there. I got a bunch of friends up there. So uh, hopefully uh, one of my best buds, a really good buddy of mine, his name's Rodney Carrington lives up there and he's a a kind of a country comedian. Hmm. Um, So we'll be uh, hopefully be able to hang out with him some that week. Well, sir, keep up the good work. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, telling our listeners a little bit about your story, talking about a lot of topics. We covered a lot more than I thought we would, and I'm glad we did. (laughs) You stay safe, and I'm sure we'll talk more. All right, Adam, anytime.